One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. That 10% discount can be yours at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello. Michael Normanton's with me. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you like what we do and you want to support us, have a look at TSB Plus. Might tickle your fancy. You get access to every digital copy of the mag that we've done since 2009, right up to the most recent one. And we've got one more this season. Issue 8 will be out. We may even be able to sell some copies of it at the West Brom match. Imagine that. That tunnel will once more have an occupant. I don't think I want to be handing out mucky 50 pence pieces. It feels a bit, it doesn't feel very pandemic friendly, but we'll see. We'll just put the price up. <laughs> we don't have to give any change. It's, it's £10 exact change only. You also get all our podcasts ad-free as part of TSB Plus, priority access to the Match Ball and our exclusive subscriber-only podcast, The Extra Ball, uh, this week reliving when George Graham walked out on us for Spurs, the bastard. Uh, daily email with essential Legion United news from Moscow, discounts on our merch, and it's all at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Quick word about our merch, if we may, we've got an exciting link-up coming with another company. Mmm, a collab. And it's going to drop. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Is it a sick collab or is it a a good one? Uh, It is actually a sick collab. That is 100% correct. Well, keep your eyes peeled for that on socials and via email as well. There will be a priority ordering period for our TSB Plus subscribers on the new clobber that we are uh, releasing. And it's not just clobber. I think we're doing mugs as well to go with it. There's always a mug. Enough with that selling. Right, let's get into the football and the latest news from Ellen Road. Podcast Pat has apparently signed a new contract with Spotify. That's what it might be. This one-year extension might be a deal where they've added into his terms. You have to present a weekly podcast for us. It is a a big undertaking. They did, uh, I think he was only 20 minutes this week, so they may be struggling to fit him in because he's got a busy schedule of pounding footballs into Marcelo Bielsa's face for no reason. But yeah, one more year of uh, Bamalang. And this seems to have come from David Ornstein at The Athletic, who's been trawling through the Football Association's intermediary transactions list, which was published in March, and it covers February uh, 20 to February 21. And that's a year, not one day. And it shows an updated registration for Bamford, a year extension. So, I mean, that's about the extent of the story that we know, isn't it? So, I'm guessing this was something that the club just had a right to trigger and we've just done it and the, there's going to be a new deal. In addition to this, probably. It feels like this is just something that's happened under the radar and they've almost just done a bit of paperwork to get this sorted. Yeah, there was some more in the Evening Post with uh, Graham Smith, but he didn't really make anything clearer. 
said that his contract would be renewed as part of the the review period at the end of the season when they sort out whether you know Stuart Dallas is in line for a new deal at, at some point. Tyler Roberts will have a, a year to go, so and Alioski needs sorting out. So Bamford was kind of wrapped up in that, but he didn't make it clear whether there'll be like he'll get another six-year contract at that point, or if they'll just announce whatever this was then. But he ain't for sale, and that's the the long and short of it. They're only yeah, contracts are only worth the paper they're written on, aren't they? You can see how stories spin out of this, though, because the, the original Athletic article said that this ties him to the club. We're unlikely to sell him. Some, like Liverpool, have said they like, Jurgen Klopp said some nice things about him. That then turned into about a dozen other websites reporting that Liverpool wanted to sign Pat Bamford. And you think, well, that's not really what it said. It said no, that Jurgen Klopp once said some nice things about him. That gets the clicks, though, doesn't it? Which, which striker, Premier League lead striker, interesting German manager on Merseyside? Ooh. I wonder what this is all about. And then you realise it's all nonsense. Who are we going to steal from West Brom and Fulham? Because they're down. Those losers are out of this division. Two of the clubs that came up with us have gone down with another loser club, Sheffield United. Kyle Bartley. Get him in the end. Yeah. There's been a little bit of talk of Pereira. Would you take Pereira? Uh, I was wondering about Pereira because my problem with him is is that I feel like it'll, it'll push poor Ian down the pecking order. I've quite enjoyed seeing Pervader's little cameo appearances. But he is pals with Rafinha because they go back to their sporting Lisbon days, don't they, together? So if it keeps him away from the clutches of that filthy animal Bruno Fernandes trying to poach him over the Pennines. Well, I was wondering if it would go the other way. We'll take Fernandes over here. About time we had um, somebody coming in that direction. He could be the new striker, the Portuguese striker. What do you think about West Brom and Fulham going down? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, you, you laugh at ever, whoever gets relegated in any given season, but it's nice when it's not us. Let's just say that for a start. And it puts context on our season. We've been great. It's nice to have a, some daylight between us now. It felt like we, we had to spend far too long in the same league worrying about them. Not our problem anymore. Sheffield United's relegation is by far the funniest. Um, this is the most reassuring. And Fulham as well have had that advantage of having been up before and down before. They're supposed to be past this yo-yo stage, but they... um. They can't break it. It it will be interesting to see what happens to them next season and what happens to Norwich and who else has come up already, Watford, whether they just go straight down. Because that ain't healthy. If we're just going to have the same three or four teams at the bottom swapping every season, that doesn't seem like a, a way to go. But then the flip side of that is, do I want Norwich to stay up? No, because of what they did to Luciano Becchio. So... It's a very, uh, it's a complicated situation. I feel like I, I used to quite like West Brom and then they got Allardyce as manager and it instantly made me think, oh, I kind of hope you go down now. That game that confirmed their relegation, who beat them? I can't remember, but, um, oh, no, they beat Newcastle, didn't they? Did they beat Newcastle? What happened? <laughs> I think they lost to What's... Arsenal, didn't they, and went down. That's it. They lost to Arsenal and I watched the highlights of that, but I was very half awake. But there was a point, Pereira scored a great goal in that where he ran through and uh, it was a, an individual effort. And they caught to Sam Allardyce on the sidelines for this consolation goal with a big grin on his face, laughing as well. That were a good goal, wasn't it? As if he was just like, well, I can say in the post-match press conference that uh, I told him what to do. You were just on the verge of doing Warnock then. Well, the, I mean, the very cl- I mean, Allardyce is just the Premier League Warnock, isn't he? He's, he's the Warnock that gets bigger jobs for no reason. It was a toss-up which one of them got the England manager's job and a toss-up as to which one of them would lose it for those reasons. Is that legally? Yeah, fine. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm impugning Neil Warnock's uh, integrity for a job he never had and never will get. Either way, back to Allardyce. Did you see the uh, the still employed tactic of trying to make it sound like he was a bit unlucky or he'd done a great job or he just didn't quite have enough time or as we call it Frank Lampard syndrome yes match of the day did some nice work for him didn't they by pointing out that if you only look at the middle bit of his managerial time at West Brom he's actually done really well so in a way doesn't that mean they should stay up and that Big Sam's still dead good I mean the fact that the fact they got like two points from his first 20 games or something stupid and they conceded fucking loads of goals and hardly scored and that bit wasn't his fault well listen Michael if you only examine Howard Wilkinson from 1991 to 1992 he wins the league every year it's very true and I mean yeah the, the period they showed for Allardyce was showing that he, he has improved but then you could also they could have then looked at his last four games where I think he's got like two points or one point or something and then said he was shit again but instead it seems like Allardyce and Parker as well to an extent Neither of them have faced any criticism this year, despite the fact they've been wretched. And have Do you know been... why? It's because they're English. It is. There, there is that ridiculous inherent bias for English managers. And there was that, there's the discussion of Parker yesterday. I mean, I've nothing against Parker. I know we've, we've taken the piss of the, the way he dresses and stuff and some of the some of the stuff at times he's got a bit shirty with us saying it leads playing scripted ways and what have you. But on Monday Night Football yesterday, they were basically all sympathetic towards him. If a foreign manager had managed to get a team relegated with, twice well yeah twice actually yeah and then limped out of the championship having had such a a good squad to work with i think he would have got quite a bit of criticism for it because while they have sometimes looked all right this season for them they've hardly won that squad was good enough to get out of the championship in better style than it did and it had enough about it to stay in the premier league in better style than it did it's not even like these have gone to the final day or anything isn't it some kind of record that all the the still three games left and relegation is already sorted hasn't happened for years means there haven't been teams this bad in the Premier League for years we mentioned on the propaganda episode the stat about Burnley having scored more goals than Fulham at Craven Cottage in 2021 their record all season they've scored nine at home (laughs) with Mitrovic ridiculous isn't it and it's I know he's not played every game and there's some, you know, I don't know why he's somehow not unpopular. The reason he's not playing is because they've bought Luckman and Josh Marger. So they've got loads more strikers. So it's... why why haven't they scored more than nine goals at their own ground? I think it's because they're shit. The bottom three have won the same number of games as us. And there's three of them. We would have given our right arm to have Mitrovic in our side if you go back 12, 18 months, something like that, two years. And now look at him and look at us. You get more, it's what you get out of the players. And that's where we've all seen it with the Bielsa factor. And I saw it being mentioned again about Ryan Mason when he said, you know, oh, obviously Leeds are one of the fittest teams in the league. So it's always a, a big challenge. And it was, I remember it was Aston Villa fans, I think we had on Propaganda, who were amazed at how fit Leeds United's players were. It was being discussed about Mason. Why don't he just make Spurs players fitter? You know, Gareth Bale is quite a good physical specimen. I'm sure he can get in the gym, get a bit stronger, and he might play a bit better. But instead, there seems to be just this uh, this attitude amongst everyone who isn't Marcelo Bielsa that they just go, well, I mean, Leeds United's fitness can't compete with that, can you? I mean, you can. You could try. Did you see the uh, the clipping of the article that said Philip Koku tried to get them to do that at Derby and the players and killed them. <laughs> the players were all knackered and that's why they couldn't do anything. Whether he's tried to implement murder ball 
and not done the physical conditioning beforehand or something like that. Oh, still said you can go out four nights a week. <laughs> I think it was because they'd come off of um, the end of last season. The report said it was after they saw the way our players ran them off the pitch drunk, they said, well, that's what we need to do. But there wasn't was, enough... Was it uh, that their players ran them off the road drunk? <laughs> it was... Um, but the, the problem was there wasn't the time from the end of last season to the start of this one because of the pandemic um, to get a proper pre-season in. And I was thinking about that the other day. That I can't remember. We There was brief highlights of like a couple of behind-closed-doors matches, but we didn't have a usual pre-season where there were any friendlies. And other clubs I was aware of playing friendlies. So we managed to get to this level of fitness without playing any pre-season friendlies. And maybe it is just what Marcelo Bielsa is. Everybody talks about his tactics and how um, innovative that is and the marking and how exciting it is on the pitch. But his um, ability to to improve the physical condition of the players that he has sometimes gets um, underrated and seems to be the one thing that opposition managers, they just look and go, well, yeah, we're just going gonna to get outrun by Leeds, whatever we do. I was looking at the, in the, Build up to the game, or it was maybe after. I can't remember that Derby put out a tweet from with a Wayne Rooney quote, and it was trying to paint a picture of Curtis Davis as being heroic for them, saying how he played through injury, basically. But the way it came across was Wayne Rooney saying he's not at all fit, he's not trained in weeks, but I thought he did well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, maybe maybe you need to play players who were in slightly better physical shape and maybe you wouldn't be in this problem but anyway I mean we have moved now uh, seamlessly into the bottom of the championship from the bottom of the Premier League and I was just watching Martin Waghorn on um, who hasn't stopped talking since full time um, he's living a boyhood dream Moscow don't you shit on his dreams saying that uh, Wayne Rooney was crucial in that's in their survival because he's got that winning Free mentality, mentality. <laughs> they're them staying up I just, mean, just for the record how many games did they win in the last 15 was it one Yes, and then they stayed up because, I mean, it's an absolute disgrace, the whole thing. It's not, it's funny. I know, but I I feel, because I was writing me uh, Yorkshire Evening Post column about this, so I looked into it in more detail. Actually, I was writing about Tom Lees, bless him. He deserves better than this, basically. Rotherham beat both Sheffield Wednesday and Derby home and away this season. And when you compare Rotherham's budget they spend nothing because they don't have anything, which is the principle of FFP, which is why all this whinging about whether Derby should be punished, should Sheffield Wednesday have had their points deduction, when you compare it to Rotherham, there's never a question of them breaking FFP because they just stick, they spend the money that they've got, they get the players that they can afford. You know, their physio, as was, is now their manager doing his best. He described he was hilarious in tears at the end of the game. He said he wanted those players to be cemented as the gods of Rotherham United, but it had been denied them by Mick McCarthy. He was just kind of like, hey, well, yeah, sorry about that. They do everything right and get and even beat the teams who stay in the division instead of them. It's incredibly unfair. And I know that if uh, Derby do get relegated by desk, in uh, Bielsa's phrase, that um, I think it was his phrase, and it was the Spanish for behind closed doors, um, promotions and relegations. Relegation by desk. Wickham get rescued. Keep Rotherham up. What about keeping up Rotherham and Wickham and relegating Sheffield Wednesday, Derby? And can we pick one that maybe we don't want in Ooh, there anymore? I don't even know who's in the... Uh... Get rid of Millwall. Get them further away. 
Yeah, I, I know they're like nice. I know they were kind of firmly mid-table this year, but I'd just feel a bit better if they were. If I they mean, were... you've also got the option to send Huddersfield closer to their natural home. They'll get there eventually. Huddersfield will find the way down there soon. They've got a shit owner now and no um, money. They are the next one up in the table. So if you wanted to play by the rules properly, Michael made a, a good point actually earlier about the. Um, Did he? Yeah. Not on the podcast, obviously, because he just talks rubbish on this. But before we started, <laughs> about how um, Derby County being relegated by desk would be funny, particularly after Martin Waghorn's kind of glory tour and all the parties in the car park and stuff. But making them start next season with a big points deduction might be even better because part of, I think, the celebrations, and we celebrated when we stayed up against Arsenal, Mark Viduka scored that goal, but we won the game, which you know is a crucial difference. We saved ourselves. Part of the celebration I think is the idea, well, you know, Wayne Rooney will stay next season and we'll get some more players in, we'll get some good loans, he can attract some players and we'll have a go at promotion next season. Eric, Whereas, Eric Alonso has promised twenty million pound footballers. So all that stuff all that stuff goes away if they start next season in the championship on minus twelve. And even if um they go into League One the risk with League One, and I was saying this um, in the lead up to the game, is that they get relegated and they can have a good season in League One. It's quite easy to reset, get youth players and win all your games and come back up. Even when we started on minus 15 in League One, you know, we finished in the playoffs and now they went up. So really the perfect thing is to keep them in a, in a division that they're not good enough to be in with a points deduction that means they have no hope of getting promoted and that it is another year of relegation battle guaranteed that's the way forward or we deduct them maybe two points this year and then 15 next year just so they've not been punished too much this year it's only two points lads you're right but also moscow is right that i enjoy the hopelessness of their their position and a couple of um derby fans waded in on on twitter about this when uh, i had the temerity to tweet out about what the the appeal that the efl have have succeeded apparently in uh in getting with the with the disciplinary panel the the appeal was upheld but a couple have waded in when I tweeted about that. And actually, just remind them, you're hopeless. You either go down this season or next season's rubbish. And you'll, I mean, Because I was annoyed when Sheffield Wednesday had their points deduction kicked into the following season. Actually, it's been worth it, hasn't it? Long game payoff. And it's just meant another year of them with Chancery, just another year racking up more debt, getting more and more screwed, churning over more managers who have to pay off. It's going to be nice from next year. Hey, speaking of football twats, um, the European Super League clubs have now come crawling back with their tails between their legs. I guess that the punishment on this, everybody wants to see them punished. But it's a balancing act, isn't it? In that you need to punish them, but you don't want to upset them too much because they are still your golden goose to a certain extent, minus Spurs. Premier League, it'll be interesting to get the uh, the take of Angus Kinnear. You know, we're speaking to Angus Kinnear on this week's Phil Hay show just to take the temperature of this one and find out from him what the view is within the club about the so-called big six from the other 14. And also what the wider view is in the in the Premier League about punishing them. Is there is there genuinely a will to do it? I mean, UEFA have handed them the most minuscule of fines, haven't they? They've said, you can give a bit of money to charity, is what they've more or less said, and it'll all be fine. So yeah, they've, they've had to pay like 15 million quid between all of them or something. It's a, it's a pathetic amount of money. I mean, they didn't actually do much wrong when you actually look at what happened. They didn't, they didn't actually break away. They just said they were going to break away. And I know they signed the legal documentation so you could argue... That was them breaking away. But 
you wonder how much of it was testing the water. Nah, I, th- I still think they should fuck them up, to be honest, but never mind. It was always going to happen because but they won't, as, you, as, they'll, you, as they'll you say, de- devalue their own competition. You're essentially in danger of, of setting fire to your most valuable asset, aren't you, if you if you piss them off too much, which is where the Premier League are as well, I suppose. Yeah, there's the detail, and I'm not sure how this works out, where they say that if they seek to join an unauthorised competition in the future, they will be fined 100 million euros which feels a bit like, well, that's the price to leave. But there's got to be more behind that. It can't just be, if you try to do this again, you get fined £100 million or euros, but you can go. It must be backed by some kind of well, bigger it, sanctions. Unless it, is it twin legislation? This is what I wonder, where the domestic leagues also then legislate. Because I think they've done it in Italy already, mm-hmm. haven't they? Whereas they do it in the Premier League and say, okay, you do that, you sign up to an unsanctioned competition and you forfeit your right to this. Yeah. So that's so that's the price of leaving, but you've got nothing else if you do go and do that. Which is the, the curiosity around why Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus are still all for this. I, was, I saw some mad speculation about whether they're, they're trying to like found some franchise teams get somebody from get new york to have a team and have a team in shanghai and to and create their own league that way global league mm, which would be um Shit. interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it would uh at least it would probably have fewer repercussions for um for our end of things which was always the the problem and that's where the balance of power is quite difficult because you 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 want to punish liverpool for example remember how excited we were about playing Liverpool in the first game of the season. So you don't want to do it to the extent that, you know, there's something that affects things. But the balance of power, and I think that will be what will be interesting to ask um, Angus Kinnear about, is like, where is the balance of power behind the scenes now? Because it seemed like bumping these six to the curb and giving more decision-making to the other 14 is a good start. And I mean, when it comes to decision-making... Look at fucking Joel Glazer's hair. Can he be trusted to decide anything? Somebody who goes into, well, he probably invites a barber round, doesn't he? And say, do what you want. Just make sure that there is a little curtain of hair hanging over my neck even though the I, bottom of my skull. Even though I am allowed near schools, make it look like I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> He, not is not allowed, a, he is allowed near schools. Nothing to stop him. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he has the character of a, um, a fine fine person there's no, nothing to say it's just <laughs> his decisions do not always reflect him at his best well phrased all round there everyone negotiated that one very carefully and skillfully and let's return to our own affairs very briefly then at this uh, at this point and look at transfer rumors now quite apart from conor gallagher who's the lad from uh, chelsea who's on loan at losers west brom are we only allowed now to go in for players who have names of four letters or shorter? Because everyone we've been linked with this week, apart from Gallagher, fulfills this uh, criteria. Josh Doig, 18-year-old left-back from Hibs. Noah Lang, 21-year-old kid from uh, from Club Bruges. He's the winger, isn't he? But he's currently on loan from Ajax, but going to Bruges, so they might make an, uh, an instant profit on him. And Loic Bade, Bardet? Let's go th- Bardet. Yeah. Why not? Like Chardet. Yes, exactly. Uh, 21-year-old centre-back from Lyon. Leeds had a scout, you know, Gabby Ruiz there, at the Lyon versus Lille game. I think we just sign all of them. Everyone we're linked with this summer, just buy all of them. See where it gets us. Save a lot of time. Not necessarily money. We signed uh, Olivier Decor from Lyon, so there's some pedigree. Noah Lang does look really, really good on YouTube as well. I mean, from my YouTube research of all of these players, 
Lang is the one I would go for. And it would mean a season of arc puns, wouldn't it? True. Oh, and also you've got Clubber Lang, who's the Rocky character as well. You have the, the benefit of two of every animal if we sign Noah, so it's a big, uh, it's a big benefit. We just need a, a big place to put them all. We need a bigger boat. We do. If ever you want a handle on what Newcastle fans have been suffering, enduring, putting up with in recent times, just go and have a read of George Colkin's match report from the Leeds versus Spurs game at the weekend because he's normally the Athletics Newcastle reporter and he's been sent away to cover Phil. Go on, George, you just go watch this game, see what you make of it. And George has had a bloody nice time, hasn't he? Maybe all Newcastle fans should do this. We should have a little, be allowed a little holiday. So it's not, we'll overlook the rules about supporting other teams and because everyone, football fans know you're not allowed to change. But maybe, maybe they deserve a little break. Because George has had a lovely time and it shows through in his writing in the match report. Effusive, I think, is the, is the right word. You know how we always look for a team's results after they play Leeds because they, they inevitably lose the next game. It's going to be interesting to see if George has anything left for the next Newcastle match report he, uh, he attempts to write or if it'll just be completely empty, bloodless prose. You've got nothing Why? to say about Why? this. Why? Why? You, you used it all on Leeds. <laughs> Uh, if you want to sign up for The Athletic and check that one out, theathletic.com forward slash the square ball, theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Two away games to preview now, final two away games of the season. One at Burnley, where the natives won't be present, but another one in Southampton, where hopefully they will, as uh, as the UK continues its, its unlocking post-COVID. Are you excited about these two games against two sides that have nothing to play for now, Burnley? obviously secured their position by beating losers Fulham. These absolute dead rubbers to finish off this season. I mean, I think we can make it fun still, can't we? There's been nothing to play for for a while for us, and we're still making it entertaining, aren't we? So let's keep doing that. And Marcelo would expect nothing less than full effort. Well, he put it on the players after the um, Spurs game. He pointed out that even when there's not much to play for, they don't want to be criticised that they didn't. And I think he's... uh, his underlying point was that they, they didn't enjoy the reaction to the, the Brighton game and the, they much prefer people saying nice things about them. So that's always a, a factor for footballers, according to Marcelo, is they want praise, so they'll go out there and try to get it. Like a good dog. Bamford will score in this game, incidentally, speaking of good dogs. Well, we do, even though we beat them earlier in the season, we do owe them one because they sort of had our number to a large extent at Ellen Road and... If we're being truthful, were we a bit lucky to get away with that 1-0? We were. We got an early penalty, didn't we? Which I believe they were still unhappy about, even though it was like a ridiculously reckless clattering on Pat Bamford. Because I think Nick Pope got a toe on the ball, but then like the rest of his legs just enveloped Pat Bamford well, and, I mean, and slung him onto the ground. I mean, in this era of calm analysis, it was an attempted murder, wasn't it? <laughs> it pretty much was. I think we've got um, Sean Dyche on tape saying as much, haven't we? There was nothing wrong with that. Fucking good challenge. But I mean, Burnley, when you look at whoscored.com, one strength. Aerial jewels. <laughs> did you see their um, their passing stats at Fulham? And bearing in mind they won 2-0, so they did the job that they needed to do and they relegated Fulham and secured their own position. I think it was the lowest number of completed passes in the whole Premier League on Monday at, uh, at Craven Cottage. It was something like 120 out of 250, something daft like that. I mean, Chris Wood scored again last night, so that inevitably set off certain sections of um, Leeds United support on social media to say, oh, you know, 
should we bring him back? We need backup for Bamford. But I think if we did sign Chris Wood back and he has scored a lot of goals for Burnley since he's gone, this is how we would have to play. There's no fitting him in as a like for like for Bamford. We have to change everything. And it's, what did you say it was? Aerial jewels. And um, and that's it. That would be what we were doing from, from now on. So let's avoid that. Let's Long balls. <laughs> Attempt crosses often. Control the game in the opposition's half. Attack through the middle. Take long shots. Take lots of shots. <laughs> that's their style of play. Their weaknesses, um, they're very weak. What's this? They're very Fuck off! <laughs> well, apparently, they're, they're weak at um, finishing scoring chances, keeping possession of the ball, protecting the lead, avoiding offside, and defending against attacks down the wings. That's Charlie Taylor's responsibility, though, isn't it? Mm, very true. Do we, st- do we still owe Charlie Taylor one? He Always. said sorry, hasn't he, I think? Always. For his refusal to play that I time. Th- I think we accept that he was... It was fine. It was Gary Monk being a bit of a, a twisty bitch. It was a bit about I mean, Charlie Taylor's youthful stupidity and uh, and Gary Monk not being the kind of person you really he hung him out could to talk dry. him round. Yeah, we didn't need to know about it as much as we did. It was um, Monk decided to talk about it, but uh, but the important thing here is Bamford will score because of his beef with Sean Dyche, as is well known. And um, well, he's got to secure his place in the Euro squad as well. He's got to secure his place with England, and he always scores against Lancashire Mill Towns, beginning with B. He loved it against Bolton and Blackburn, and he's going to rack up a few more in Burnley on Saturday just to stick it to the cloth cap, clog wearing, cotton spinning locals. Well, you could have finished that with the Simpletons, but fair enough. Well, I was I was starting to think about TB ridden children. I thought that was maybe going a bit too far. <laughs> We do know that they're likely to concede possession to us because that was the story of the first game and they're not exactly, uh, you know, set out to play an expansive footballing game, are they? But we seem to have been better in the second half of the season against these sides that sit deeper. The low block, I believe, the cool kids call it, as we've said before. I mean, we weren't against Brighton, so I don't know what you're basing this on. Shit. Oh well, there'll be fewer of them because Brighton had three centre halves, whereas this uh, this lot they've got Tchaikovsky and then me uh, is the other one, isn't he? You, <laughs> Ben, Ben and me. Yes, Bertie's son. Um, so the two of them. I mean, they both have they both played for England. I'm not sure me has. We've also got payback on Vidra. I'm just looking down the players. There's there's a bit of an issue there, isn't there? And not to mention the old football manager GFH thing about Ashley Barnes. Still not as good as Luke Varney on there, is he? Nope. So, still not worth signing. But yeah, I mean, look at Vidra, though. Three goals. Barnes, three goals. It's not great, is it? It's not great. We're going to go there and win because we've got our tails up and we're Leeds United and we're better than this riffraff. Oh, why have you said it? Because it's true and we all <laughs> feel it. We're better than Brighton, though, as well, aren't we? But look what happened there. I don't know. I, I'm a bit concerned after the game earlier in the season because they did deserve something from that, as much as I don't like to say it. I feel like most games this season we have deserved what we've got out of them and this was probably an exception I think we'll be fine against these the Brighton aberration as we were saying after that game is something we've seen Leeds do before we just throw those performances in now and then and I don't expect it to happen again straight after beating Spurs I think we will score four goals against Burnley and concede two a Johnny House and perfect hat-trick I think at worst we concede one 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On to Southampton then. Thoughts on this one. Fans back in the stadium. How will we cope with the intimidating atmosphere at the Dell or wherever it is? Beat them 9-0. That happens to them sometimes, doesn't it? I know they've already had it this season, but we could do it again. I feel like... um, they kind of gave up a very long time ago to Southampton, didn't they? They got all those points early in the season and then just went, ah. Do you see the tweet that um, went out on, uh, I'm going to say, Monday? It was saying that Hassan Huttle has secured fewer points than Sheffield United in the second half of the season. It's been pretty impressive. It also reminds me of the other tweet I saw about Hassan Huttle, which was, uh, I think it was you know, when Southampton beat Liverpool, I believe it was, and there was that uh, chap who tweeted saying, Ralph Hassan Huttle is the manager that Marcelo Bielsa thinks he is. Yes, how is that going for them? I mean, by rights, they should be in a, a relegation battle now, shouldn't they, Southampton? It's just that everyone below them is so shit and has been so shit for so long that despite winning like about three games in the second half of the season, they are somehow fine. I think they need a relegation battle. I think it would be good for them. I think they lack focus. They've drifted. That's why they've lost so many games. They need either a whisper of your way for conference league qualification possibility or a danger of relegation because this um, life in the middle doesn't seem to suit Southampton at all. It's exactly what happened to Burnley last year. Didn't they finish 10th last year and then this um, year they've been shit? Is it last year? Is it every year? Just Sean Dyche, we didn't even mention, hasn't he been there for about 15 years now? It's yeah, just it's, grinding it's on nine, and nine, on and on. Nine, isn't it now, I think? Imagine sitting down at the start of the season. All right, well, what are the target for this year? <laughs> what was that, sorry? It, I, what did he say? I couldn't. I couldn't hear that. Let's see. the uh, The tape was um, scrambled. It's got wrapped around the the Walkman heads. I'll just um, unwrap it, put a biro in to uh, wind it backwards, <laughs> get it get it straight. That was rewinding. Shot the edge, by the way, in case you couldn't tell. And now I'll <laughs> just a seizure. Uh, <laughs> I'll press play, and we can hear it properly. Fifteen. <laughs> Christ, that was a long run up for. 
quite a, a bad payoff. Well, we haven't got much to say about Southampton, have we? It's a long way away for a tea time kickoff, isn't it? It's but- probably it's a relief that they are not allowing away fans into these games because it would be an absolute piss take if our first match back was a fucking Tuesday night in Southampton. We'd still fill it, wouldn't we? Of course we would. I mean, we'd sell more tickets in Southampton if we were given the chance, but not to be one last uh, time on the telly. And Southampton's strongest strength is shooting from direct free kicks. Oh, I wonder what that's down to. If that's it, really, just just don't foul them. Is that that double-barreled kid? Ward Prowse, that's yeah. The one, yeah. He's quite good at them. But they're, they're basically not that great at most things. Attacking set pieces, defending set pieces, all things we're really good at. So it'll be, I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. We have been better at defending set pieces recently, haven't we, actually? So it will probably be fine. I feel less worried about Southampton than Burnley. Because I feel like Southampton really can't be ours now. They're just waiting for a new manager. You think? Yeah. Like you say, they need a relegation battle. Get get Alan Ball in and get. play and play Latis. <laughs> play, play COVID riddled Matt Latissio. Not sure about Alan Ball's availability at the moment. What about Laurie McMenemy? <laughs> I actually don't know. <laughs> Dave Jones, he was at Southampton for a bit. Let's move on. He's popular with Leeds fans. Let's move on. How do we do uh, how do we do in this one? Yeah, we can win this one. Can we win them both? I think we'll win them both. Yes. I think we will win our last three games of the Premier League season. And when we beat Southampton, they'll have to hand over Che Adams as a thank you. Will we use him or...? No, no, we don't need to. Just chain him to a radiator or...? Whatever you fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he can do the podcast when uh, Bamford's not available. Six points then from these we're saying. Come on, Michael. Come on, you can do it. Three points. Who do we lose against? Burnley. Why? Because Burnley. Ariel Jules. (laughs) Moscow. Um, we beat Burnley, and I like the sound of your 9-0 against Southampton. I think if we're both going for that... Don't think that was mine. It was his. I think it's going to be 2-0 at Southampton. I'm very confused. I was sure it was you. Anyway, somebody has said, well, if we all say 9-0, that's cumulatively 27-0. So let's go for that. Let's you said, go. You said go really strangely <laughs> let's, then. Let's go, let's go for that. So let's go for that. Do Levi's do sports law? I think they should branch out into it the way that the football um, the football world's going at the minute. There's money to be made in it. Well, they do have branches across various parts of the country. Don't think they've got one in Derbyshire at the minute. Would need to check, but if not, might be worth opening one around the Pride Park area because there'll be work there talking to the EFL disciplinary panel. I mean, they've already bought the stadium once, so they probably don't need the conveyancing that's at a, this yeah, stage. That's a, that's a fair point. And do you know what the best bit is? If Mel Morris and or Eric Alonso, whoever it is that's in charge of those jokers, goes to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball, we'll get 10% off the legal fees. It's worth having. Every penny counts for Derby. This part of the show brings us to heroes and villains, the people who've done good and bad by us across the last seven days. The Villain of the Week Award first, the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. And we open this out to our TSB Plus subscribers via the feedback form. Same one they use to give us feedback for propaganda. Tell us who's your hero, who's your villain for the week. Loads of nominations this week and hundreds of people have responded as well. So thank you if you got in touch. If we don't read your name out, sorry. Ryan Mason, the most popular. If we tried to read every comment on Ryan Mason, we'd have to we'd have another hour of material. And an upset child on our hands. I know, bless him. He did look he kind of looked like a son of Keith Andrews or something with his, his curly hair on the sideline. Well the one thing uh, we will read is definitely Manus's uh, assessment where he says um you guys are sort of around his age. Nope. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm willing go to go with, with that. No, yeah. I think I'm, I, I agree with that. Um, and uh, Michael has a much better coaching style 
So we should be taking over. So yeah, he could be my uh, stepson <laughs> if I married correctly. Oh, well, I, su- I suppose so. <laughs> if I went for a slightly older if any- lady, if anyone's willing to marry his mother, though, you could be you know you could be eighteen, <laughs> couldn't you? And he could be your stepson. Yeah, it depends on your taste. A sixteen-year-old Wayne Rooney would have been a lovely father to him at some point, but um. But yeah, Andy Pugh pointing out that he's, he's almost instant slide into a typical moaning manager is what he's nominated for. And it was, he, I mean, we didn't actually see him post-game, did we, live, but he did complain about VR changing the game and all that sort of shit. And we just don't get that, do we? I wonder if it's changed us as fans to not have the sort of manager moan about things because we don't, I don't feel like we talk about it as much as... It means we're superior, Michael. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we needed no encouragement in that department anyway, but I like to think it's just reinforced our superiority. Moral superiority. There is something so totally broken about the way VAR works on offsides anyway that, you know, our reaction to Harry Kane's goal that he's whinging about was to say that goal should stand and almost for the greater good of the game. And perhaps this is Marcelo Bielsa's influence. It would have been better if it had stood and we didn't have to discuss it and Mason didn't have to moan about it and all this. But because he's moaned about it so much, I'm now glad it got ruled out purely for that reason. So Marcelo Bielsa's influence on me has only gone so far. I'm still, at heart, a terrible person. Adam Edwards did uh, pick out his hair. Michael, have you got grievances around his hair? I mean, it makes me glad I'm bald, to be honest. Seeing him, I think you wear it well, though. I think you wear it really well. I think you look better as you do now than when you had hair. Thank you very much. Well, I don't intend to grow it back anytime soon, so unless I could do go for the uh, the glazer look. There was a nod from Elliot in the direction of Mick McCarthy as well for not getting a memo about relegating Derby. Came very close, didn't we? And also the Derby fans and players for celebrating being dog shit all year. Yeah, I mean, I think there was people were saying, well, of course the fans are celebrating. They've just avoided relegation. That bit is fine. Yeah, you do. No matter how much you might not have deserved it. If you stay up, you celebrate and that's fine. It was the fact celebrating it with the Derby players. Like, I don't want to spend time with those people. If they've just served up one win in the last 15 games dragging you into a completely avoidable relegation scrap. I'd never want to see him again, to be honest. But they were all like, oh, such heroes. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with the whole winning mentality that Waghorn's talking about and and living for days like this. No, no, this is the bare minimum you should be setting out to achieve as a footballer. Bare minimum. And Mitchell saying, yeah, they should have hung their heads in shame, even if in private they celebrated. And that, that is it for the players. It all came down to a final day. They had one job, beat Sheffield Wednesday, who as a football club and a team, are a catastrophe. And they couldn't even do that. They didn't do the thing they had to do to stay up. Cardiff did it. Stuff dreams are made of, Moscow. I think Mrs Jackie Tits puts it really well. The whole Derby team for being a bunch of self-serving, out-of-touch, cringy, pathetic, overpaid, set of morally corrupt, shit-smelling, cheesy, ball-sacked twats. With Martin Waghorn at the centre of it, or with his... Three goals in 31 games before that match. That's why they were in the shit. Plenty of nominations as well for Cardiff, Marlon, Packstroke, Rotherham for ruining what would have been a perfect weekend. And it was, it was all there at one point. That was the worst bit, that Rotherham were in front for so long. The gods of Rotherham. And Sheffield Wednesday were in front as well, which would have been the absolute perfect outcome. But, you know, you can't have everything, can you? Uh, and what's nice is we can laugh from our lofty position at all these losers. That's the thing. It was a bit of... It was a side dish, wasn't it, on our beating of Spurs. It was just one of those things. It just capped it off nicely if it was there, but, you know, the main meal was still pretty good. Others did set out to ruin our beating of Spurs. Namely, Jonathan Pierce took some uh, some pelters for his... It was lacklustre commentary, I think you can say, on Match of the Day. 
I mean, I presume, given how joined up the the commentary is on match of the day, that it's added afterwards. It doesn't sound like it's in a, in a stadium environment anyway. It, it felt like he was a bit down on us, particularly when he said that we were naive for defending against what was actually just a brilliant goal. I've been slagging off Jonathan Pierce for years, quite rightly. So nothing, and, and also um, praising yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing about what he said about our naive defending surprised me. Darren Leatley saying ready to label it naive defending as if 90% of football to- teams don't give away a couple of chances in every game. The pass for the Spurs goal was Ivan Needle clipping off Lorente. It, it just happens, doesn't it? It was a very good goal. It was a, it was a good through ball, which in, t- in truth was a bit lucky because it did hit a defender on the way through. And, but then the way it was finished, spot on, and the way he'd seen the, the opportunity to run through, it was, it was great attacking football. But the thing is, Jonathan Pearce can't just enjoy something like that. He can't say... What an exciting goal that was by some uh, outrageously talented forward players. There has to be an angle, doesn't it? It's the Hingecliffe model. Yeah. There's there ha- always something wrong with it. There has to be an angle, yeah. And uh, Tom, I think, um, sums it up for all of us when he says, I wish he'd fuck off back to Robot Wars. <laughs> uh, other shit pundits who aren't Jonathan Pierce got singled out by a, a number of people. Uh, Matt Creighton, oh, hang on a second. Robbie Savage on BT Sport said something along the lines of, What a job Robbie has done. Keep him up. And then he goes on to suggest, he might now stay at Derby, and I'm sure he's going to have a lovely good office to me, swear. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. He didn't say that, but um, yeah, sort of hinting that now now he's kept him up. It's a still a good enough job for Wayne Rooney to have because they're a championship team. If he'd have, if he'd have relegated them, he would have had to leave because it would have been, it would have, he would have soiled the place too badly for himself. <laughs> uh, Jez has a pop at Jake Humphrey for his nonsensical tweet about the self-styled big six when it was actually him and his ilk who, who styled them. Yeah, it, it's the MSM, mainstream media, conspiracy, etc., etc. There was quite a lot of hate for Rio Ferdinand as well, although I'm not actually sure he did anything wrong. I think people just don't like particularly <laughs> yeah. seeing it. Hey, listen, if there's one thing we can do, it's celebrate swivel-eyed bias. I mean, obviously, Moscow liked his his more trophy-winning days after at, he left at, us, at United. At, when he was at United, and yeah. he was he was he was really proud of some of the stuff he did there. But um, he did he did actually dispel the burnout myth. But people just don't want to see his face. You keep harping on that, and there was a grand total of two nominations for me as a villain this week after all that one my scum loving as Chris said and then the other one for mispronouncing son from Elliot so it's not cutting through drop it Declan Gray also did criticise him for his um, his fashion um, me? no Rio Ferdinand no, I but, but I was going to bring this back to you Moscow and ask what are you wearing right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a very nice jumper that's available from the squareball.net but if you buy one now store. you are psychotic because <laughs> you are wearing a Christmas jumper it's a really nice jumper. I like this jumper. It says Leeds Karo Ho Karaho Ho Ho Ho. And yeah. then there's some um, snowflakes and stars and our little logo that Matt Clark did for it us. Is, it is in Burgundy and it was uh, a Burgundy roll neck that uh, attracted Declan's ire when it came to Rio Ferdinand and, well, his o- and his overcoat that he wore over it. It looks better on me, on my considerably more shapely lips. Well, that shut you up, didn't it? And when it comes to the swivel eye bias, I love this, this idea that everything is against Leeds because uh, Joe is annoyed that BT Sport are showing adverts for the FA Cup. It seems to only be sli- Leeds slip-ups in the FA Cup. <laughs> I just love how we, we're just we're excellent victims, aren't we? It's just looking at everything on there going, oh, just can't believe it. Carney's done this. Doing this too. Carney and Humphrey, they're haters. <laughs> is he Humphrey or Humphreys? I can never remember. He's Jake. He'd love you to call him Jake. 
Andrew and Ben both picked out Harry Kane. Just generally his face and his sense of entitlement. That's fair enough. He didn't manage to dive though, did he, in this game, which must have been a disappointment for him. He likes to do that thing where he runs into the box and his legs go in opposite directions and yeah. somehow make contact with a defender. Didn't really have the ball though, did he? You need to be near the ball for that to happen. On the, the diving or falling over strategically line of thinking as well, a couple of nominations for Luke Ayling as well. No flop. As he let the side down there. We didn't notice Ayling much during the game, actually, did we? He seemed to be fairly quiet. I, I did see some Spurs fans suggesting that because he was captain and ex-Arsenal, he'd be trying harder against them or something. But I mean, really? <laughs> uh, who's the most swivel-eyed lunatic out of all the fans? Didn't, didn't ever play a game for Arsenal, did he? Or did he come no, off the Champions League. Yeah, he came off the bench, didn't he, he once? Uh, he loves telling people that he played in the Champions League. Uh, Rob does ask specifically about Luke Ayling. Um, he says, is, is this something he needs to work on in training? upping his flop output um, or perhaps it's just a symptom of burnout which we all know is just just waiting to kick in for this season it is and um, other fullbacks can criticise as well Alioski normally excellent but um, Mule says can you make your mind up be either brilliant or terrible seems fair enough some nominations for Tyler Roberts as well Moscow which I think is essentially a nomination of you um, no end product and too many bad decisions it's very important to make sure we uh, we get that in after an incredible 3-1 win the best performance <laughs> Um, team performance under Marcelo Bielsa probably in the three years he's been here good good and necessary that we have to say Tyler Roberts doesn't have an end product Private first class William Hudson suggesting that Roberts is actually keeping his powder dry for West Brom in the final match of the season don't know if he's trying to play for a move there or just because it's his former club or what Spurs fans did come in for a bit of attention too Uh, Sofa Boy mentioned them we dealt with them quite extensively over on Propaganda because they think they've got a stale squad Um, filled with dross not a happy bunch are they Spursy Spursy. Uh, Bamford podcast Pat has been given a mention by Gary because again I mean you won't mind at all Moscow because they're your favourite club but um, he said United again It's like he doesn't listen to this podcast too busy making his own isn't he And not of this parish nearly was though Ollie Watkins finally got his red card for diving and also Dean Smith for having the, the balls to moan about it Dean Smith moans about referees more than anyone doesn't he and he moans about them even though he's in the Premier League by virtue of an absolutely ridiculous decision last year where someone had forgotten to switch on goal line technology. So maybe shut up about it. And also, Watkins did dive here. He did exactly the same thing he did against Bailey Peacock Farrell where he fell into someone. And maybe there was contact as he went past him, but only because he jumped into it. My favourite um, response to this comes from, well, just about every single Villa fan who who rose to the bait. Uh, you can always time it. You know the word Bamford will always be in that first response. What about Bamford? At which point you say, yes, people. That time Bamford dived. Yeah, and we all said, Bamford dived. That was shit. Don't do that again. He even talked about it on um, one of his many public appearances at the Peter Crouch podcast where he said it was um, not his finest moment, not something he should have done. He didn't realise how bad it was until he watched it back on the video and then realised that, yeah, it was indefensible and he's not done it again, has he? And strikers, players do try and buy penalties because they know they get given for minimal contact. Unfortunately, if you're playing with such fine margins, you are going to get caught out sometimes, especially when you go down as much as Watkins does, and he does. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure if we'd signed him at some point, he would have done it for us this season and we'd have all gone fine. But you've just got to accept it, I'm afraid. And VAR is slightly to blame as well, because I think it's actually encouraged diving to a large extent, because if you can go down and you can draw the tiniest bit of contact, quite often they do still give them, don't they? So anyway, it was funny to see him get sent off. And, and and as much as we're bemoaning Dean Smith, it's funny to see him whinging going, me, me, me. It is tiring, though. I wish he was doing it in the championship. Come on, then. Let's pick a um, Ken Bates villain of the week out of all those. I feel like for the sheer volume of 
of nominations, it should probably be Ryan Mason. And we're not going to get chances to give him it again, are we? No, this is true. He's not really done a, a right lot to offenders apart from exist. So that's why he's getting the uh Are you fine with upset, are you fine with upsetting a child? He's twenty nine, isn't he? He's gonna have to grow up soon. Same age as us. He's my step- exactly. he's my stepson. So, <laughs> so he's a child to me. Speak speak for thyself. He's uh mine and Michael's exact contemporary. I will say this. It's the only thing he's gonna win. Yeah. He can have his villainous award. The Andy Hughes Hero of the Week Awards, our second award, our happier award. Some nominations for uh, for people in this. Should we, should we do our players first? Cock, Alioski, who else has been nominated? Let's have a look. Click, Jackie Harrison, Stewie Dallas, uh, Bielsa himself, Melier, Rodrigo, Rafinha, and Strauch all made the cut here. Everybody except Tyler Roberts. <laughs> and, Luke Ailing. and Luke Ailing misses out as well, which is, um, I mean, you you don't defend him quite as much, do you? Because you hate Luke Ailing, but um, presumably he's got far too—he's far too consistent and has a really good output. Well, I mean, Robin Cock is top of the list here. Who let Deli Ali go for uh, for both their goals? Tyler eh? Roberts. Eh? It was Tyler, wasn't it? Uh, Michael Hunter and Phil Robinson picked out Cock. Uh, just generally saying, excellent. And that ball to Rafinha was very, very good indeed. I like that. The the moving side to receive the pass from Click. Excellent. I do. I do quite like him in that position now. I think he's. He's still not as good as Calvin, but I think we look much better with him there than when um, we've tried to play strike there. And it gives you those uh, options you get in a, a small Bielsa squad because, as we saw on Saturday and as we've seen for England, Calvin Phillips, and as we saw before Bielsa turned up, Calvin Phillips can play further forward in midfield. He doesn't always have to play in that position. We can bring Cock in there. We can have Stroik there and he'll probably be okay. Dallas can play in the middle or left back. And if we do sign a new midfielder and a new left back, we suddenly, even though we'll still only have about 18, 19 players, it'll feel like we have a squad filled with um, options all over the place. And uh, that would be good and nice. Well, nominations for Alioski from Jimmy, Ben, Andy, Phil, Cy, Steve, Andrew, uh, Rob, Al, Declan, Ender, Ant, Gary... Katie and Scott White from the hills of Kentucky. Andrew's saying it's hard to believe it was the same guy as the bizarre leg hugger from the Brighton game. He was great, and I think he was probably helped out to an extent by the fact that Bale couldn't be fuck tracking him because he, you see, time and time again, he was just he was poised on the left hand side, and there was no one there for him, so he was just able to to run down the edge of um, well, the edge of no one because Bale was somewhere on the halfway line, presumably. On to click then. Shut a lot of moaners up and got back to his old shithousery ways from Mule. Same sort of uh, vibe from Matthew, just laughing at Aurier's pathetic acting skills as if he'd been blasted in the face by a bazooka, probably. Never mind a um, a shotgun. The club's TikTok account have made a thing of this as well, haven't they, Moscow? I know you're on there with the kids. You, um, and, you and Ryan Mason? <laughs> TikToking away, yes, whatever the, it is you do. Uh, the, the youth wing over here. Yeah, and it, it makes it absolutely clear. There's, there's that little look across. And this is actually... It was one of the reassuring things about Click in this game after that worry against Brighton that, you know, is he... He's what, finished. Yeah, he's, is he, finished. Is he's he over. ever going to have a good game of football again? And the two things that made it right is that within 15 minutes of this game starting, there wasn't only this coming together with Aurier, but then he got absolutely clattered a minute later by one of the other Spurs players in what I think was kind of like a revenge mission. And there was some of this going on. So he's straight back in the, the, the midst of it. And then there were the... Um, the shots over the bar, which is a true sign that nature is healing and matches click is back to where he was if the uh, the ball is being banged into the back of the cop. 
also on shots to over, have him back for shots over the bar Jack he did pretty well as well but other than that he got some nominations as well for just being it's the same reason isn't incredibly it incredibly really? good yeah back to form looking really good um, yeah Philip and, and Ben uh, picking him out uh, Fraser Darren Patrick and Andy all picked out Stewie Dallas he gets it every week though doesn't he that's the problem he's too good now bored of him being good now too he good. needs uh, he needs to throw some bad games in it's been two years stop it Melier got a nomination for a really accomplished performance from uh, from Sofa Boy Mick as well for that save. He, yeah, he's a little bit like in the uh, the Stuart Dallas thing where he just every week is like, yeah, standard every week. Ilan Melier, world class save. Yeah, whatever. And he's asked to do because of the way we play. He's asked to do a lot actually. It's going to annoy me as well when he does he, it well. He does next make a mistake. People will straight away go. <sighs> Need someone more experienced in, even though yeah. it'd be like one mistake in 20 games or something. Although Kiko Kasi is there on hand to remind you that somebody more experienced is not necessarily the better option. You've got another eight mistakes before you get dropped, and you can make them all in the next eight games if you want. I think we've got a strong contender here, sorry, in Rodrigo for that little eyebrow raise, which has now become a gift that is going to last for the ages in Leeds United world. I think this is a really, really, this is a front runner in my eyes for that gesture alone, for coming back the goal and his eyebrows. It joins the lexicon with uh, Click shushing the whole bench, doesn't it? And um, I was happy about his goal. And I think as part of that, Rafinha needs his um, hero nomination that Gear has uh, given him. Firstly, for the massively exaggerated, oh, I'm definitely going to shoot. You better try and block the goal. Hey, Eric Dyer, come over motion. here. You, you picked that out in the match ball, didn't you, actually? Before passing it over to Rodrigo. But that pass to Rodrigo, who... He's not had the easiest first season. He's even, he's gone so far as to say that like, you know, he's never been a, a 20 goal a season striker and it's not his game and all kinds of stuff. And there was COVID and he's a long way from home. What he needed is a bit of a confidence booster. And the way Rafinha put the ball right onto his left foot, it wasn't even like, it wasn't across him. He didn't have to adjust his body. It wasn't made difficult for him in any way. It was like, that's the, the, the ball. That's the foot that you like kicking the football with. I'm going to put it right there. And then all you have to do is just kick it into the bottom corner. It could not have been made more simple for Rodrigo, which is not to take anything away from the finish. It's just to say Rafinha has really helped out a teammate who has been struggling for confidence by making everything just as simple and as easy as it could be. And Watching Rafinha on the all the angles thing that they put on YouTube goes on a long while. That it is a six minutes. Of, first of all, because you get to see how many times uh, Jackie beats their left back for the first goal, and it's so it's almost like slow motion. It's, it's so easy. There's so much time and space. But watch Rafinha's face as he's running through. So calm. There's just not even a flicker of expression that any of this is difficult for him whatsoever. Medi and Dan both singled out Strauch for praise for containing uh, Harry Kane, keeping him in his pocket. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Bielsa got some love for, uh, well, from a lot well, of people, actually, Steve and, and Howard picking the same team, basically. And, and, from, uh, and from Mrs. Bielsa. Oh, is she, um, has she been on? to Rick Hall's nomination. Oh, she's been on. Great. He, he been, saw them uh, walking hand in hand. In fact, I won't say where, because people might stalk the area. He saw them somewhere walking hand in hand after the game and got a big smile and thumbs up. When you said well done on the game. From both of them. Which, which is nice. Is, is crucial. Yeah, so it's... Uh, a very clear indication, perhaps, that he's going to stay if his, uh, if his missus be uh, Unless she's come to take him on. <laughs> you, Marcelo, you've been, you've been away too long. You said you'd be back by three. Uh, you might remember Sarah Ann from last week's show where we attacked viciously Sarah Ann for stealing all the names. Uh, she pinched two. 
and she's trying to pinch all the nominations here because she's saying everybody needs nominating just about those boys in capital letters yeah you're right sarah Ann. you are absolutely correct and brian says the lads unbeaten at home against the super league six 50 points fittest team in the league after 35 games i adore these handsome bastards and it's a shame about the arsenal result so we'll ignore it but against the uh the top five um as i like to call them our second results were always better than the first the liverpool game obviously accepted um, if that's the other exception to the rule, but no, we did uh, we did better against them the second time around than we did the first time, and I think that's significant. We've not got worse. Jack and Ryan both pick out Sheffield Wednesday slash uh, Chancery for bringing us lots of entertainment. Ryan actually goes as far as saying that Chancery is an absolute legend. <laughs> he's, the, he's doing uh, doing God's work. He's doing great. Saul Bamba gets a nomination from Elliot for his his comeback in the final game of the season following his cancer diagnosis. Other nominations then for not on the field and uh, and otherwise got uh, Mrs. Jackie Tits wants to praise the ground staff at Ellen Road for, for getting the pitch in order. Again, I think the Sun's probably helped there a bit as well. Yeah, but we can't give an award to the Sun. Why? It's a star. It's difficult. How would we get it there? It doesn't. Is it got a mantelpiece? It'll melt. Well, Andy Dent wants the pitch to have it. It's going to all get ripped up in a few, couple of weeks, isn't it? Poor thing for all his hard work. Uh, Tom picks out Sam Allardyce for the great job he's done as well. So we, let's pick a hero of the week out of all those. Loads of nominations. Who is it? Oh, I will add at this point, before we do pick it, loads of people nominated the ref slash VAR. No. It's still bad. I know it would have put them into the lead, but, you know. We were due one, though, I feel like. And and also the dodgy penalty that Spurs got in the uh, in the game at their place where Alioski was clearly outside the box and they didn't seem to particularly even bother looking at that again. They just went, yeah, give him it anyway. So yeah, it was nice to, that it evens up, but it, I'd rather... it was evened up by actual dickheads in the middle of the pitch rather than a dickhead in a studio. Weight of numbers in the nominations goes to Alioski. Uh, weight of emotion goes to Mrs Bielsa. I mean, I guess thousands of people watched the game and concluded Alioski and only one person saw Mrs Bielsa walking around. <laughs> so I'm inclined to give it to Alioski this time. Yeah, all right. It's the redemption story, isn't it, from uh, from last week? He is kind of, he's the uh, emblem of the victory, isn't he? He's uh, receiving it on behalf of the squad for this one, isn't he? I can't wait for him to sign a five-year deal next week and for everyone to absolutely despair. <laughs> but for now, he is our hero of the week and we will wrap up the show there. So uh, thanks for uh, for sticking with us. We'll do it all again next week. Slightly messed up schedule because of the midweek game. They need to stop doing those. Their midweek games are beneath us now with Premier League, aren't they? Unless it's in Europe, I'm not really bothered anymore. Anyway, we'll catch you on the uh, the main weekly show next week. Look out for more propaganda, extra ball, match ball, the full shebang. It's all yours ad-free uh, with TSB+. Plus. If you haven't uh, signed up for that yet, have a look. Thesquareball.net forward slash plus, and we'll catch you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.